Hello everyone and welcome to Men and More podcast. Dating, while it seems simple, can come with many challenges. If you've ever dated someone before, you know it never goes as we plan it to. Dating is a skill that develops with experience and practice. And just like every other skill, having a coach can simplify the task and make dating an enjoyable experience. With that being said, today we have Christine Romgartner with us who is a professional dating coach with over 11 years of experience. Christine will be sharing with us the caveats of dating and online dating and how one can begin dating with a purpose. So, without any further ado, let's welcome Christine Baumgartner. Hi Christine, welcome to Men and More podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Kavish. It's very lovely of you to interview me and invite me to be part of your show. Thank you again. Hi, Christine. Welcome to uh, Men and More podcast. So let's kick this off with this question. You know, what it is, what is it to be a dating coach? Well, that's a really good question, Vincent. Um, I think what I have found is that most people think they should just know how to date, especially if they found, you know, their because you deal with widowers, um, their deceased spouse, when it was easy. We were young. We were surrounded by people that were our age, that were also looking for a partner. We met them at school. We met them in our neighborhoods. We met them on our job. We met them through our families, through our friends, through our places of worship, through organizations and clubs. And it felt like there was just almost unlimited possibilities. And what I find now, if people are divorced or widowed and they were married for an extended period of time and didn't, you know, certainly haven't dated for a number of years, dating looks very different now. And if anyone of your listeners has tried to date in this current world, they've discovered it's very different. They aren't just surrounded by people that are in their age group and also looking to date. They need to go looking for them. And so there's a variety of ways that I suggest to my clients to look for them and also the way to be safe and how to look appealing and how to communicate with the opposite sex because I was um, a coach for, I don't know if you're familiar with John Gray. The men are from Mars, women are from Venus author. I um, worked with him and made some videos with him. So I really understand a lot of the challenges that men and women can have because we often communicate differently. And so I think men nowadays are finding it more difficult to date because they're not sure where to look for women. They're not sure how to talk to women. They're finding us almost even more confusing than they used to find us. So I think all for all those reasons I just talked about, it's very helpful to have a coach. If any of your listeners, your members participate in any sporting events, they understand the value of a coach. If you needed to learn how to use your telephone, your fancy smartphone, your smart TV, your job, anything that takes some knowledge and information from an expert because you're not an expert when you're just learning. People spend lots of time and energy and money learning how to do all those other things. And this dating ultimately is going to affect your precious heart. So that's why I think that having a dating coach can be very valuable to help you navigate this challenging 
potential pitfalls, but so ultimately rewarding if you find the right person. Did that answer your question? My long answer. Yeah, that was that was wonderful. So, uh, Christine, my uh, question um, to you is actually uh, we are from an eastern uh, eastern part of the world, and you know here we still uh, you know are dating the old school way and you know we're still meeting people through a lot of contacts or the networks but you know suddenly there's a surge of um, online dating apps and then then there there are a lot of sources available Uh, but what we hear from a lot of people that you know these these dating sites are not that transparent there are a lot of hidden agendas behind it and all Um, it's a scam so what is your take on it how would you you know what are the takeaways because you've been into this Uh, coaching people for a very long time you know and specifically online dating so what is your uh, take on it well yes I have been a coach for over 11 years and then prior to that I used online dating for five years that's how I met my late husband so online dating it's I will say it's similar to going to the grocery store you're standing next to somebody at the lettuce counter and you don't know Are they a good person? Are they a bad person? Are they somebody that you would have anything in common with? Do they have bad intentions? Do they have good intentions? Are they single? Are they married? Do they have children? Do they want children? You don't know anything about them just because they're buying lettuce. You go, well, we both want lettuce. So that's how I feel about the online dating. Everyone, most of the people on online dating are looking for a relationship. Yes, there is a small percentage of people that are scammers. They're looking to take advantage of people, often especially when they see that they're a widowed person. There also are people that are just looking to hook up, just looking for physical relationship, nothing more, nothing substantial. So my feeling about online dating is it's a wonderful place to find somebody because it's the largest pool of single people out there to pick from. You just need to know how to separate first the bad people from the good people, and then in the good people, which ones are a match for you. So part of what I teach my clients is to get really clear about what you need and want. We fill out some pretty um, complete lists about the kind of traits and things that they're looking for in a partner, and also to fill out what they bring to a relationship. Because we, if we're not feeling self-confident about ourselves and what we have to offer for whatever reason, then we're not probably going to be attracted to and attract somebody that's of this, that's of the caliber that we would like to. It's like, like attracts like. And then once you've written a profile and put up some pictures, to know the right questions to ask, to find out, and the things to look for in a profile to determine right away if they're a scammer or somebody that's not interested in having a future relationship. And then once you've gotten past those two boundaries, you go to the third level where at least they are looking for a relationship, and then you have questions that you ask them to see if you have things in common, if you really would be It'd be somebody you'd want to make time to meet or somebody that you'd want to have a conversation with or somebody that you think has some similar future goals. So I do think online dating has gotten a bad reputation that's greater than it really deserves because it's often when something bad happens, everybody talks about it. People don't often talk about the good things that happen 
And I have clients that have met and are in long-time committed monogamous wonderful relationships that they met online on every single dating site practically that's out there. So I know it's possible to meet somebody wonderful. You just need to have the right tools. And there's another reason for having a dating coach. If you're going to use online dating, it really would be helpful to go into it with some sort of a manual so that you don't make bad decisions, don't get taken in by somebody who's um, got wrong intentions, and that you cannot send somebody away that might be somebody good. That's a danger as well. Yeah, that that was really wonderful. You know, yeah, as you said that... Uh... People always talk about the bad stuff and uh, ignore the good stuff. You know, uh, that's actually true. And uh, and now I have the second question coming at you. People, when they date online or even if they date in their day-to-day real life, uh, they have some common problems. Like they have some ideals of what their partner should look like or what traits they should have. As a dating coach, what do you think is the most common, uh, you know, problem or problems that people face when they enter the dating world? Wow, that is such a good question. I think one of the biggest challenges for both men and women is, of course, we want to like how the other person looks, but we often look past people who don't look the way we think we want the right person to look. And if we get all caught up in, oh my gosh, they're so cute, we sometimes ignore their potential problems, as I call them, red flags. We can tend to ignore red flags and say, oh, it's not that big of a deal because they're so cute. And my personal story around that is while I I was single for a very long time between when I got divorced and when I married my late husband, and I dated quite a bit, and I had a type. I think we all often have a type of the kind of person, how they look is appealing to us, and I did that very thing where I would get all caught up in their looks and not always pay attention to their personality or the things that we had in common or their future goals. So I made a decision a couple of years before I met my late husband to start really just dating anybody that seemed nice, no matter what they looked like, no matter how tall they were, no matter how much they weighed, no matter the color of their hair or their eyes. Any of those things I threw out and I just started dating them because they were nice. And when I met my late husband, he did not have one trait of the kind of things that I had been attracted to before. Not one. I'd been attracted to six feet, brown hair, brown eyes, kind of muscular. My husband was, mm, he used to say he was 5'10", so I'll say he's 5'10". And balding, gray hair, blue eyes, and a tummy. And yet he was such a great guy. And I liked who he was from the very first time I met him. I liked what he said. I liked how he thought. I liked how I felt with him. I liked how he treated me. I liked how he thought about me. I liked the conversations that we had. And ultimately, he very much became my physical type. But it wasn't there in the beginning. So there's a lot of pitfalls that people can have. But I would say that is the top one, that people will pass up somebody because of how they look on the outside rather than who they are on the inside. Mm, that's, an really, that's a really interesting take on it. Um, yeah, um, and also, also thank you for sharing your story there. <laughs> it was, it, it's, it's really a wonderful story. <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you. And I think that's one of the reasons I get really clear about making out this list. So the, the way that I create the list is I use four categories of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, and to write down the traits that are important to you. And if you've had a previous relationship that was really good, then write down all those things that you had in that relationship that you want again. And if you've had some relationships that weren't so good, then what I say is write those on the deal breaker list, the things that you don't want, and then make sure you turn them 180 degrees into what you do want and write it on what you want list. Because we think we're going to just know. We think when we meet them, we're just going to have the feelings. We're going to just know who they are. And it didn't happen that way for me. I had to have this list. Everything I coach, I teach in my coaching. I learned how to do this on my own. So it's what led me to meet my late husband. I know that this process works because I used it personally, and now I've used it for 11 years with clients. So when you have a list, not only are you paying attention to those traits, but that's how you create the questions to say, so if um, having children in your life is really important, then finding out, even if they don't have their own children, do they like being around children? Are children annoying to them? Are children a joy to them? If travel is important to you, then saying this is the kind of places I've been and what I've done and do I need, I like going on a tour, an organized tour. My husband was the kind that was happy to go off the beaten path and go sometimes without reservations. So we worked out a nice compromise between the two of us. So that was an okay thing for me. It wasn't a deal breaker, but at least we've had that conversation about our traveling styles and lifestyles. Do you, are you um, athletic? Do you exercise all the time? Do you need somebody that participates with you or do you like doing it by yourself? Are you the kind that's more of a homebody? Is that important to you to have a partner that's also more of a homebody? Because if you don't know who you are and what you want from somebody else, there's some really important things that can really slip through the cracks. And then you get caught up emotionally and you spend a great deal of time with somebody that might not be a match. Um, that's really, yeah. really great insight. Um, Christine, I really have a very different question. I'm not sure if I'd be able to put it in right words, but I'll try. We've all heard about this term that love happens. You can't really make yourself fall in love or something of that sort. This is something which has been fed to us for a very long time. We've, we've seen, in the, seen this in the movies. We've heard this in the poetry and, you know, any any other performing art how do a person date with purpose how do a person really understand that he has to date with purpose not just fall in love without any purpose wow that is such a good question so it's it's an interesting premise the love happens do i believe in love and first sight sure I've known people that have experienced it. And even when they experienced it, you know, you hear people who say, oh, I met them and knew we were going to get married. They still spent time getting to know each other. They still spent time finding out, are we compatible? They didn't just necessarily jump into it with both feet blindly. I think that true love develops over time. Now, some people can get there faster and some people can get there slower. I know three different couples who met and truly knew after three days they were going to get married. And when I talk to them, 
I asked them the kind of things they talked about. And they had intense, deep conversations about who they were and what they were looking for and what the other person was important to them. They didn't just say, oh, we both like this kind of food and we both like this kind of movie, which is what happens often in like the first three or four dates where these people talked intensely and deeply and openly. So those instances are what people I think often see and hear about. And both all three of those marriages have lasted, you know, up to they're all into their 40 years of being married. But what I find often is people who get all intense in the beginning and think they're in love in the beginning and don't have those conversations. My experience has been is watching it's a like a firework. It goes up and it's very flamey and very intense and then it burns out and they don't find that they have the substance to maintain a marriage. You know, for people that have lost a spouse, however that happened, mine was sudden, but especially the ones who were there by the side of somebody who was ill for a while. You need to have that foundation and that substance, and you need to make sure that that's going to be there. And the only way I know to have to find that out is to have these really deep conversations. And I think people are hesitant to have them and worried to have them and don't even know what kind of questions to ask and what kind of things to talk about. And so that's one of the things I take seriously in my coaching is to guide them into those kinds of conversations to help them determine if this is the right person for them. So I'm not saying on every first couple of dates, you should have this intense conversation with somebody. But if somebody's saying, wow, I really think they are the one and the other person thinks they're the one, then these are the kind of conversations they need to have right away. But I'm also saying that generally the most the most of the population eases into this. You know, you do find out, do you like the same food? Do you like the same movies? Do And you can start asking some of the questions from your lists about the things that are important to you. If the way that you are part of your religion, the way that you are part of your family structure, the way that you structure your time, how much alone time do you need? How much together time do you need? How much time do you need with your friends? How much time do you need with your family? How much time do you spend working? How much time do you spend volunteering? I mean, just the time conversation you see is just one trait, but it can have all these variables. I'm hoping I answered your question about love happens. I think it can absolutely happen. I think it takes deep conversations. That's my thought. And I actually owned an event management company for 25 years before I became a coach 11 years ago and had the privilege and pleasure of planning a number of Indian weddings. And most of them had met through family. They hadn't actually been arranged, but I did do a couple of arranged marriages and I've stayed in contact with them for all these years. And boy, I certainly did learn that a lot. I used to tell my clients, I said, you know, if you don't want to do online dating, they all say they want to be in a relationship and they don't want to date. I said, well, then I think we should go back to arranged marriages because I sure saw a lot of really successful arranged marriages. <laughs> That's really an interesting piece too, you know, to hear. Yes, because your families, if your families are arranging your marriage, they know the other family. They know the other person. They've seen, hopefully, at least the ones I saw. I'm sure this doesn't always happen, but I luckily saw the ones where they really saw that the family structure and the two people that they were introducing had 
some really core things, important things in common that are the foundation for a long, healthy, happy, successful marriage. And I find the people that are dating now don't know how to do that. They don't know how to verify the other person is somebody that they could spend their life with. Where in those particular instances, the families had done all the verifying first. Yeah, that's right. Because in India, most marriages are arranged. And you, and you know, my parents are uh, have an arranged marriage as well. And mm-hmm. they have been happily happily married for over 27 years now. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I have an example right before my eyes. Uh, now I have another question for you. And uh, this is actually geared toward those young generations, you know, the age group between 14 and 20, 22. So now that Internet has given dating apps right at the fingertips, uh, do you recommend that young people hop onto dating apps instead of, you know, uh, having a face-to-face conversation with the person you know, that they are attracted to? Wow, that is such a multifaceted question. <laughs> oh, my. Because I, I, I have had an opportunity to talk to young people. And so since you're asking my opinion and my advice, I think, as we did when we were younger, had the opportunity to be surrounded by people our age and learn how to interact with the opposite sex in groups. I think staying off the dating apps until you're at least 20, 21 would be beneficial because you need those social skills. You need those reinforcements that you can talk to another person that you have um, made just friends and that you are a worthwhile person. I think what's happened so much for young people nowadays, whether it's the dating apps or just, you know, Facebook and Snapchat is there's mean people out there. There's people who will pull the rug out from underneath them when they're still kind of tenderly getting their sense about themselves. And I think they can get thrown off kilter much easier using the internet for dating than they can in person, especially if they'll date in groups, you know, where they have wingmen and wingwomen to kind of bounce off. Oh, they were just being mean or go ahead and talk to that person. We'll be right here. It'll be all right. No matter what happens, you can come back here and talk to us because you're kind of on your own when you're doing internet dating. And I think they need a little more maturity. It would be my advice. I know I felt very mature. I got married when I was 18 and thought I knew everything. And then when I got divorced at 31, I discovered I didn't know very much at all. But you can't often tell a teenager that. But I think it would be helpful for the parents to encourage the majority of social activities for them. You know, even if they have somebody special they're going to the social thing with, that it's still in more group settings. What do you think of that answer? Yes, I really like that. <laughs> I never <laughs> thought of it that way, but yeah, you put it, you know, very precisely and uh, a lot of youngsters would agree with this. Yeah, I've given it a lot of thought because of the <laughs> bullying problem and they bully them for so many things, you know, that what they say and how they look and where they live and why give more openings to that you don't need to give them more openings you need to keep it's like planting a new 
flower, a new plant. You know, you don't want to give a person a chance to stomp all over it until it gets big and strong. So waiting until they're more mature and have more concrete feelings, good feelings about themselves before you give a chance of the person to stomp on you or have a big wind to knock you down, I think it would be behoove them. I think it would be really smart. That's, that's fascinating, to be honest. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've yeah. thought about it a lot. I really have. I would love a chance to, you know, talk to high schoolers to just give them a sense of my thoughts. You know, they can say, I don't know what I'm talking about. That'd be okay with me. But maybe if one or two of them thought, okay, maybe I could try that. I could, I could see how that fits with me. Or I would say, I hear you've had these experiences. Let's try something different. If you would like to see if you could maybe have a more positive dating experience, because the problem is if in any age, if you have a bunch of negative experiences in a row, you're going to get jaded. You're going to get jaded about dating. You're going to get jaded about, am I a worthwhile person? You're going to get jaded about, could I ever really meet anybody? So my goal with my coaching is to continue to help people have positive experiences no matter what happens. So I tell people the goal for dating, and it became mine when I finally switched the way I was thinking. My goal was, what am I going to learn about me at each meeting with a new man? What am I going to learn about me, how I feel comfortable talking to them, what subjects I'm willing to talk about, what people I'm attracting, the way that they're asking me questions. Whether or not I went out on a second date was not my goal. That was extra. And I got to decide if I wanted to go on a second date. My goal was, what am I going to learn about me? And what am I going to learn about another person? Because uh, I dated a lot of men in the time I was single. And I never actually went on an awful date. I never met a scary person. I truly trusted my instincts. And my instincts would say, don't go, don't say yes, just pass them by, say no thank you. And I never questioned why. I just went on to the next person. But what I found was, as long as my goal was to get to know another person and to get to know me, I always walked away from the date feeling very satisfied. I was never, I never had a negative feeling about the date, no matter what, whether or not we went out another time, because I could achieve my goal effortlessly to learn something about me and something about them. So I think often people go into the date thinking, oh, good, I'm going to meet my new spouse and I never will have to date again. Well, even if that is going to be your new spouse, you're not going to know that on the first date, probably 98% of the time. So that just sets you up for a fall. And if you do think that that's the end all beat all person and they don't ask you out a second time or you don't want to go out with them a second time, now you feel like it's a failure. And you start having these negative feelings about dating and the opposite sex and your possible happy future. So I help people set realistic goals so that you look forward to each date. I've had people tell me, oh, dating so much work and it's awful and I hate it. And once we start working together, they say, oh, it's fun. I go, that's my goal is to make dating fun because it is a necessary step if you don't live with people who could arrange your marriage to meeting somebody that you want to spend your future with, you need to go out on dates. You need to go into group settings where you'll meet people that are in your age group that you might have things in common with. And you need to seek out somebody to date 
one-on-one. You know, I tell people in, in this country, we have a thing called meetup.com where they, you can start out a, a group of, we like to go hiking. It's a book club. We all have German shepherds. We like to cook. You know, there are a variety of different meetups that have different activities. And so you go join an activity that you already know you like the activity and you're probably going to at least have that in common with the people there. And then you see, do I like anybody here? Do the, and ask them what other activities they belong to and go join one of those activities. And that way you keep expanding the pool of people that you're experiencing. Mm. I think that's a very uh, positive way to really look at dating. Um, um, Christine, this is from a you know very different standpoint. The next um, question I have. Uh, so I talk to a lot of uh, you know uh, female friends. I have a lot of female friends. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of male friends as well. But uh, there's one thing which is common amongst female. And then they have this uh, sort of, uh, I would I would call it misconception because I'm a man myself. But they think that every man, you know, um, wants to date um, for physical pleasure only. And, you know, there's a dilemma of this, you know, either to choose a bad boy or a good boy. So this dilemma, you know, keeps on increasing the more you date. So what... What is your take on it? Because you, you know, you definitely have a lot of experience. Uh, you're, you're much more experienced than, uh, people of our age may, you know, beat women or men. Do, what do you think? Or do men have this, you know, mot- motive altogether? Or, um, you know, there, there are just few men who just date for physical pleasure. It is very much a dilemma and it is such an important point to bring up. So when I mentioned the people that I'm just going to call them, well, the scammers who generally they just want to take your money. That's really what scammers are for. They're, they just dial a bunch of numbers. They send a bunch of emails. They're trying to get people to send the money. So that's what a scammer is. And they're bad. There are men who just want to have a physical pleasure relationship. And there are actually some women who just, who think they just want that. And I'm not going to call those men bad. I'm just going to call those men not right for a lot of women because most women, most women want to have um, a full relationship where it's not just physical. They want somebody that cares about them. They want somebody who wants to spend a future with them, somebody who wants to have conversations with them. So it's important to find out if that's all the man wants. Now, with that said, I am very clear that, and I was clear when I was dating before my husband I met my husband and since my husband passed away that men generally ask at a woman because he's physically attracted to her. It's just the way your DNA works. And I don't mind that at all. I knew that generally every man that sat across the table from me and now still does finds me physically attractive and would probably someday want to have a physical relationship with me. And I'm fine with that because I know I'm the person that sets the pace. But I also want to find out, does he want other things from me? Can he sit and have a conversation with me? And to put it very personally, again, I made my husband wait a very long time before we had a physical relationship because I wanted to make sure that's really where the relationship was headed. And that's what I teach my men and women, that it's important to make sure that you get to know each other first on mental emotional, spiritual levels before you breathing in the physical part. Because 
if a man, even if he desires the woman, talks about it too early, it can be so off-putting for us. We want to be liked for our minds. We want to be liked for who we are first. I mean, it's a very challenging world for men right now, certainly in our country, and it might be in yours as well. I don't know if you've had the Me Too movement of men are now afraid to even talk to women because everybody's so hypersensitive. So I teach men how to compliment a woman in a way that she'll still feel comfortable. Because one of the things my male clients really like about me is not only may I have a very knowledgeable coach, I'm a woman. So I know how women like to be spoken to. I know how we like to be treated. So it gives you an extra insight into the other side. So I'm not, I'm, and I will also say that eventually it's important to talk about what your, both people's wishes are for a physical relationship, how you want to start and what kind of things are important to you and what your experience has been and what makes you comfortable. But it's not something that can happen for a few dates. Or otherwise, it can definitely be very off-putting for women. My husband, when he first um, started using online dating, he was very surprised. He dated two, he went out with two other women before he met me. And they both let him pick them up at their house and invited him in to spend the night on the first date. And he was shocked and said, no, thank you. It wasn't what he was looking for. And so then he was surprised and pleased when I said, I will meet you for lunch the first time. I don't want somebody, a stranger, even though you seem really nice to come pick me up at my house. And that as we dated longer and I said, wow, yeah, I think I would like to have a physical relationship with you, but I still get to know you better. He respected me for that. He was very pleased that I said that. He was pleased that I said that I probably would be interested, but he was also pleased that I thought enough of myself to say that I needed to find out more about. Did that answer your question? I hope. Yes, I think very precisely. <laughs> uh, that that was really wonderful to hear because uh, not many people uh, think about these things in uh, these you know so deeply. They just uh, rub it from the top and they say you know men are bad, women are bad because well, if they have some bad experiences in their dating life, they develop this uh, uh, this notion that you know women are bad and men are bad. So uh, while we are on this topic, I have this question that. There are successful relationships and then there are uh, relationships that fail. And uh, those failed relationships can cause trauma to individuals. And uh, because of those traumas, people don't want to enter into dating world again. What do you have to say to those kind of people? Oh, yes. So even with all of my tools, personally and professionally, sometimes we do get involved with someone and it doesn't work out. Even though we've asked a lot of questions, you know, we've been going at a good pace, we just find out that for some reason we're not compatible. And it is sad. It hurts your heart. It makes you need to stop and lick your wounds and recover yourself. But with everything that I mentioned before, you know, learning your job, learning to drive a car, nobody was good at it in the beginning. Nobody. It's impossible to expect yourself to be good at anything right away. It takes practice. So if you can say, I did my best, I did what I, we, Maya Angelou is somebody I admire and I have the saying on my wall. And she said, we do best what we knew then. And now that we know better, we do better. 
So to never give ourselves a hard time for, oh, I didn't know to do it that way. Oh, I see. Wow. Yeah, that would be really important to change the way I did this next time, the way I asked the question, the way I ignored that potential red flag, the way I didn't really realize I needed that. Or what I found as I was dating my late husband longer is I kept adding things to my list that I didn't even know I needed or wanted. So it's a refining along the way. And I had dated a man for over a year before I met my late husband. And I really realized it was not the right relationship for me. And I needed to end it. And my heart was broken for six months. And I was very sad. And I stopped. I turned off my online dating. I just spent lots of time with my friends. I did lots of really good things for myself. So then when I turned my online dating back on again, my late husband was the third person who wrote to me because I was ready then. So it is tempting to say I'll never do it again because I don't want to get my heart broken again. But I will say after having the worst thing happen ever to after only five years of marriage to have my husband die suddenly, I would want to be married again. I would want to be in a relationship again. I can't imagine going the rest of my life without falling in love and being loved again. And I actually do have um, a, she's a former client. She just got married for the third time in her 80s after being widowed twice, twice, long, happy, wonderful marriages, both times, crushingly sad. One of them was a Ill, long illness and the other was a sudden heart attack. And she still says the same thing. I have love to give. And I have loved to get, and I don't want to live the rest of my life without it. I don't want to live the rest of my life alone. So that's what I tell people who have gotten their heart broken, who have found like, well, that didn't work. I wouldn't even say it failed. It just didn't work. So figure out why it didn't. Heal yourself. Don't go out with a big broken heart. That's why I waited my six months. And then use the old tools that brought you all the good things of that person, because they obviously had some good things. The guy before my husband had lots of good things about him. So I wanted those things again. And then what were the additional things that I needed to make sure were in place for the next person? And I know for me, and certainly for my clients, I have found that if you have can get yourself to that attitude, take the steps to get to that attitude, the next person that shows up is even more a match for you because that's what's happened for me. Is that a helpful answer? It's, yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm known for my long answers and I'm, I'm hoping they're helpful. No, no, long, long answers are always helpful, you know, because they're descriptive. They allow us to think, you know. Yes, yes. And it's my, this is the subject that is my heart. I want to help people date successfully. I want to help. If they want to find love first time or again, it is my joy and my goal. And I'm grateful that I have this gift so I can help them. Thank you, Christine. It has been a wonderful uh, conversation. Just any last message that you would like to give our uh, listeners and also uh, where can people go and learn more about your work? Where can they connect with you and, you know, get more uh, information on dating purposefully and make their life meaningful? Thank you. Well, I think deciding or having somebody help you decide what is your end goal? You know, some people just want a companion. 
to go to the movies, go to dinner. And some people want a long-term marriage. And then there's other things in between. My neighbor's actually engaged, has been engaged for four years. They live four miles apart and they've kept their own homes. They see each other every day. They sleep together every night, but they're, they like their respective homes. So I'm just putting that out there that there's a, such a variety of ways for people to be in relationship. So because I know lots of different ways, it's been fun talking to people of they didn't realize there were options. There were opportunities to just dip your toe in the water. There's opportunities to just jump in the water. So... What I offer people, because I tease that it's like a first date to see if we're a match for as a coach and a client, is if they go to my website, which is www.theperfectcatch.com, at the top there's a banner that says what's holding you back from love. If they click on that banner, there's just a couple questions to answer, and then it will give them access to my online calendar and they can schedule a 60 minute free conversation with me. And they can talk about the challenges they've had in their past dating life or their fears about their future dating life. And we can sort through it. And I promise I give every single person a tool, whether or not we end up working together or not, because I want them to go away with something that will help them. And then we can see if there's really something I have to offer for us to work together. They're also welcome to send me an email. My email is Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, at theperfectcatch.com. I also am on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. So if questions come up where they somebody says, what did I talk about? And could I get more information about something I mentioned on this wonderful call, they're welcome to send me a question or a comment through any of those vehicles. It would be my pleasure to answer. I, mean, I answer people's questions all the time for free. That's really wonderful. Thank you, Christine, again for coming over, uh, coming on this podcast. Uh, Christine, it was a wonderful conversation. It's been a joy talking to both of you, Vincent and Kavish. I would love to do this again. I have, after 11 years, well, 15 years of doing this whole dating thing on my own and as a coach to have so much information I want to share and help people with it would be my pleasure to do this again you're just both delightful this podcast was produced by men and more to listen to all the episodes of the podcast subscribe to us on Spotify Anchor Apple Podcast or any of your preferred platform Follow us on all social media platforms and don't forget to visit the website menandmore.com for amazing content. It's time to sign off and we'll see you in the next one.